Shabbat Shalom, everyone. Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. Welcome back, Hebrew Congregation of Houston, episode 139. 139. We are in April, April 1st. Uh, there's a lot going on in April. We know uh, Passover is here. A lot of people are celebrating different holidays, but who holiday are you going to serve? Which one are you going to celebrate? Our Passover. So we're doing different things differently, right? Not this Easter, uh, not that pagan holiday, or incorporate your Passover in April 5th to the 13th. Now, our topic, we have a big topic today. It's about marriage. So we're going to do Easter keeping it real. It's going to be about marriage. Okay, so um, let's start. God created marriage for three reasons. One is companionship, right? You have to have companionship, which is love, fellowship, and friendship. That's what companionship means. Secondly is procreation. That's to what reproduce, to have children, to multiply your offsprings. Lastly, the third one is redemption, the act of saving or being saved from sin, taking us out of sin or error or evil, protection over one another, okay? And so a lot of times what we give you all type of marriage scriptures, let's see, Genesis 2 and 18, a woman is made from the man rib, right? And man should not be alone. Song, Song of Solomon, we know is really poetic. It's a lot of things about uh, love inside of there. First Corinthians 3 talks about love is kind. And I'm going to go kind of fast because I have a lot. I started writing this and I ended up with, with three pages. I, I could have wrote this all day because I've been in marriage for 10 years. Uh, another one, Matthew 10 and, and Mark 10 says, uh, God joined together, no man can tear apart. Proverbs 18, 22, a man who finds a wife finds a good thing and receives favor from the Lord. All these scriptures from the Bible, why are marriages failing? Or why are they not happening? Why are they failing? Why are black marriages failing? First of all, the black divorce rate is 30, which is Hebrew Israelite is 30.8%. Hispanics is 18.5%. Whites are 15.1%. And Asians are 12.4% divorce rates. Ours is double than Caucasians. Let's talk about marriages. Black rate is 32%. White rate is 62%. They're double getting married than us. And we're double getting divorced than they are. The numbers don't lie. Why? Because the male role model, that's that's number one, the covering, the male role model, dysfunctional families, single parents, healings that's needed that hasn't been done, generational dysfunction. That's the root of it. Everybody saying, well, uh, slavery, it was the root of it. Our generational dysfunction was the root of it. Well, what are you talking about, Easter? Let's talk about the single parent mother. She's wearing two two hats here. She has a masculine and a feminine role. I know because I was under that and I became that. And we only can do what we can do as women. We can't teach a man to be a man, okay? Two, the man might be around and he's not equipped because he wasn't shown how to be a man. So how he's gonna equip his son? And then he's incarcerated by the system. 
a lot of times for no reason. Then he can't find a job. Then stress come in. Then he feels like nothing. Who wants to be married and they can't provide for their family, feeling like nothing? Real issues that's going on, stressors. Slavery played a huge role in our dysfunction in our life, but how do we get it back? How are we going to get it back, Easter? I got 10 things on this page. I, I, I probably could have wrote like forever on here. I'm going to go through here with these 10 as slowly as I can. I've, I've been in marriage for 10 years and it has been a struggle. It's been a struggle. Um, First of all, Yahweh, our God, if you don't have him in your marriage, <laughs> it's, it's pretty much over. If he is not a covering in your marriage, if you don't have him in your life, are Yahshua and Yahweh, where are you going to go? Who are you going to turn to? How are you going to get this right? That's your covering. Counseling. A lot of times you need counseling because you're grieving from your past memories and what's happened to you in your past. You bringing on baggage to another person because you haven't dealt with the issue that you have before you even got with that other person. Jumping man and man, woman and woman, trauma, being raped, victimized, haven't dealt with it. Counseling. I, we went to counseling. My husband and I went to counseling. And you know what they said that I can really remember that helped me was I used to say, how am I going to get to this marital bliss that I see on TV and everybody's talking about it? Because I, I haven't experienced it. And I, I need your counselor to tell me that. The counselor said, Easter, when you bake a cake, you got to put what? Flour, eggs, sugar, milk. You got to put all the ingredients in there. They said, that's just how marriage is. You have to work at it. You have to put all those ingredients in there. Love, empathy, patience, all those things you got to start building in there forgiveness and that's what's going to bring you to your marital bliss in a time of chaos are you going to stand there are you going to faint you're going to run off you're going to divorce what are you going to do you got to keep building that cake until it rises and i thought about that it's work marriage is work i'm only on two number three date Get to know a person first, okay? Now, you're never going to truly know a person until you live with them, right? But if you just take your time and date and pray, some things are going to come out. You pray about that situation and you watch and you listen and you talk to that person and get to know them, some things are going to come out about them. So date that person. One of the biggies right here, number, number four, finances. Finances is one of the biggest reasons that, that people are apart. And it's not because somebody's broke or it's not because somebody's rich. It's because you don't know. You need to know that person's finance. You need to know their credit report. You need to know their financial obligations. You need to know these. You need to know what's in their account before they marry you marry them. So there's no surprises. And everybody might not agree with me, but I'm going, I can only go by what I've been through in my 10 years and what I've heard. So we have some 44-year-old marriages. We have some two-year-old marriages. We have 21. They're going to talk. I'm talking about Easter keeping it real. 
Know those person finances before you get with them. And it's not a deal breaker. If that person has bad credit, that person has child support obligation, that person have about $500 in their account, that's not a deal breaker. Just know what you're getting yourself into. That's all I'm saying. It's not for you to down somebody. It's for you to help them work on, build them up. Okay. Or you may not want that. Then you, you have that, that choice. Set boundaries. Now, this is a big one for me. And this is why we needed counseling with ex-husbands and ex-wives and baby mothers and baby fathers. There has to be some boundaries there. I'm not going to go into detail about it. But there was at the beginning, there was no boundary set. You can't just call our house four or five o'clock in the morning if it's not about the kids. What do you need to talk to us about? What do you need? What are you waking us up about? We need some boundary set. And then you got the husband kind of scared to say something because you got the wife. Oh, he won't let she won't let me see my kids if I show out on her. But you're gonna have to set some boundaries for your husband and your wife or the person you want to be with. If you're doing what you're supposed to do and you position with your kids, paying your child support or, and doing what you're supposed to do and spending time, have your papers in order, you can set your boundaries with that person, period. Get your life together. Easter keeping it real. These are hard topics. These are things that are destroying our households. These are things that are destroying our marriages. These are things we need to talk about. Because that, that's one that almost broke me. Um, gratitude. Saying please and thank you. Not taking that person for advantage. Till this day when my husband buys me dinner, I say thank you. Some women, well, that's my husband. He 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 supposed to feed me. That's that's trifling. Say thank you. That's my wife. She's supposed to be cooking dinner. Say thank you. That was a good meal. Appreciate one another. Build each other up. Love on each other. It's not what somebody's supposed to do or obligated to do. I used to hear back in the days, I'm not obligated to do nothing but stay black and die. That's about it. That's a little saying, but then we heard that when we was growing up, appreciate one another, have some gratitude for one another, lift each other up, praise each other. I'm on number seven. She ain't done yet. Nope. I'm not done yet. Explore nature, explore nature. I don't know what it is about the sun setting and the animals and the lake and the water and the park and the holding hands and going someplace that you two have never been, uh, doing the Passover together, explore things together, talk to one another. That's unity, that's private, that's coming together as one. Your bucket list, tell each other, build, those, build on that, to go there. I know we're going to Africa, our bucket list. We're in our 50s. It took us this long, but we made it. Strive together to do things. Just stand in the house watching TV and playing video games and, and watching movies all day. That's not enough. You have to bake that cake. You have to get out together. You have to do things. You gotta you have to know what each other wants and needs are. 
I'm on number eight. Uh, continue to work on yourself. Deal with what your issues are. Some of those are deep-rooted issues that your partner have nothing to do. And a lot of times, if somebody didn't break it, they can't fix it. You're going to have to deal with those issues, get you some counseling. Maybe you need may need some medication. I don't know, but you're going to have to deal. Love on yourself. Get your hair done. Get your nails done. Go buy yourself an outfit. You mean to tell me you're working all week and you can't do nothing for yourself? And I'm going to tell you something. Joy is never going to come in that other, other person. If you think because you get married, you're going to be happier, you are rudely mistaken. You need an awakening. Because if you don't, if you don't love yourself and you hate who you are, that person can't give you that. They can't give you your self-esteem. They can't give you the love for yourself. They can't give you who you are. I'm a Hebrew Israelite. I'm a I'm a child of the most high. I know who I am. You have to own that. You have to walk in that. You can't dump all that stuff on the other person. Number nine, forgiveness is a biggie. Nobody's perfect. You're going to have to forgive each other. I know some, and, and sometimes we attack each other verbally because we see each other. We know each other's little mistakes. Jerry might say, listen to your mouth. I might say, look, your procrastination. But I chose him and he chose me. He chose this little potty mouth and I chose his procrastinate. That's my procrastinator. I'm his little cusser every once in a while. But can't nobody come and tell me about him. You can't just walk up to me and tell me about my husband. Because I don't have that kind of spirit to open that door for you to do that. Quit leaving open doors for people to come in and tear your partner down to you. Or try to tell you something that's not even true. And you all on Maury and Jerry Springer with that trash. Ask God, he'll tell you. He'll reveal it right before you run from the truth. Because a lot of times it may be you. Forgiveness is a biggie. Nobody's perfect. You chose that person. Remember that. You chose his stinky feet. You chose whatever it might be. You chose it. Live with it. Deal with it. Help them. And number 10. Love, sex, and empathy. We already know what love is. Let's talk about sex. Oh, she's going to get into sex. Yep. Ooh, how I'm going to approach this one. There's two things I say. I never let my husband leave hungry, home hungry or horny. I don't let him leave home hungry or horny. What are you talking about, Easter? There's times I don't feel like doing it, but he want to do it, I do it. Let's this Easter keeping it real. If sometimes she may be horny or want to do it, you need to do it. Y'all are together as one. Now, granted, if somebody's sick, whatever, okay. But come on now. You being mad, holding out, I could be mad. I'm still going to do it. And then I'm still going to be have my attitude, maybe. We still going to need to talk about what we need to talk about. Easter keeping real. These are issues we have to talk about. Empathy. What about if they can't perform if something happens to them? And I'm not just talking about men. I'm talking about women, too. Because men are physical and women are emotional. Men, physically, they 
oh, they smell, they see, they want you. Women, we're mental. I need flowers. I need for you to kiss me. I need you to tell me I look at, I, I need my mom to, to have this orgasm. Deal with those issues that's deep rooted. If you're not attracted to your spouse and you can't have an orgasm to your spouse, you need to deal with something. Easter keeping it real. We're talking about marriage to stop these divorces from happening. If it ain't right, it ain't tight. That's my number 10. I got three pages. I can go on, but I, I said, I think I better stop here and give somebody else a, a chance to talk. We're going to start with the uh, the baby of the group, <laughs> the baby marriage of the group, which is my son. And, and one of the things I said on here was single parent. I, I, I came up as a single parent. He came up with the single parent woman on the masculine and feminine side doing everything. There's some things I hate that he didn't get that a man could have gave him. And then I had to be a protector and not let anybody just in over him because it wasn't his biological father. So I know he struggles with things just like I did. Now he's building a family with Zion where he, they can, he can see two parents as an example. The generational curse has been broken right there. Minister Griff, uh, he'll be married two years come um, <clears throat> April the 4th. It'll be two years for him. You have it, Minister Griff. Yeah, thank you for uh, going into that. Uh, that was enlightening some of those numbers you threw out there and just uh, everything you were talking about. Um, I guess since you ended with uh, the idea of generational curses, I can pick up there. Um, and we know a lot of this, you know, goes back to what happened to us in the transatlantic slave trade and families being ripped apart and this kind of being programmed into us. But let's also get to the origin of that. You know, it's not that that's a that's an outcome, right, or an effect with the cause being disobedience that led us to be under the curses that you read in Deuteronomy, et cetera. Um, and so, you know, it goes deeper than, than just what uh, people have done to us, more of a mindset or where our ancestral uh, trees have done to us as well. And so, you know, it's just, it goes so deep and seeing that, as you said, sister Easter, I didn't see a father around. And so, when trying to be a father yourself, you're doing something you've never seen before. Um, and that's an interesting task you got to undertake is when you're trying to do something you've never seen before and being a husband and being a father. Um, and that's, you know, you throughout the numbers of how high divorce rate is for in the black community. And I'm sure that that has a huge effect on that. But getting back to that origin of that, it's like, this is all part of the curse, right? The fact that our abortion rates are so high, the fact that our, our marriage rates are so low, that our divorce rates are so high. This is all products of being under the curse. All these things that the Lord has ordained for us to be fruitful and multiply, for us to, you know, find a partner and have a union. All these things are striking, strikingly low in our community or strikingly off balance in our community. Um, it just goes to show uh, the curse that we have operated under because of our ancestral and our own disobedience that has come into our life. Um, but you know, that's something that, as you said, sister Easter is you can overcome it, you know, just because it's happened in the past, just because it's a curse that's laid upon you doesn't mean that you don't have, you can't conquer that thing. We know that all things be conquered through Yeshua uh, who came to show us a better way. 
uh, through keeping the Torah, which we all here are striving to do on a on a weekly, daily, moment by moment basis. And so, you know, there is hope for sure. It's just a matter of are we going to choo choose you this day? Are you going to choose to stay under that curse? Or are you going to choose a different path? And it's tough. Uh, you know, I talk in my work a lot. We talk about productive struggle. Uh, it's a struggle, some struggles that you have to embrace, that you have to go through knowing that there is something better on the other side. So it's a moment by moment choice we can make um, in order to learn. And the resources are there. You can find the resources and how to do things a better way. You can find resources on how to better love your spouse, on how to uh, do whatever it may be. The resources are there. Um, the role models are there if you look for them. Um, but, you know, it's just a matter of choosing a different path than what you've been exposed to. Um, having something better to expose your child to uh, so that they have an example that they can move forward with. I think about getting a college degree, right? That's something that you uh, really push for in my life, Sister Easter. And by me being able to get a college degree, that's an example or a path that my child sees. Now there's no excuse. Same thing being a father, being a husband. Once he sees that, once he knows that, once that's all that he knows, there's no excuse. Um, and so it's just all about making a day-by-day -day choice. Um, but another thing that you spoke on that I want to touch on real quick that I heard um, previously is this idea of dating. Uh, one thing I know in our society, I know for myself personally, and uh, my wife would probably echo this, is dating a lot of times has very negative effects on us. Uh, you date somebody. I know I know you said, Sister, like you might want to date and uh, figure a person out to some degree. But let me throw this stat at you real quick. This is an interesting stat to hear. While the American divorce rate is around 40 to 50 percent, depending on the year, uh, sometimes higher than that. Do you know what the divorce rate is for arranged marriages in America? Anybody have any idea? We We, we, we speak down on this idea of arranged marriages, things like that. Uh, and, you know, interestingly enough, I got this stat. We did a um, social justice school that I worked at. We had a, um, a we call intercession where folks from different cultures would kind of bring their culture to the forefront. And one of our students actually illuminated this for us, who was a, um, I believe she was Indian and her family had gone through an arranged marriage. Uh, but do you know what the divorce rate is for arranged marriages in America? I, I started to get in on and I started to get on that topic, but we're we're in Egypt, so we don't have it here. So I left it alone. But I, I know. I'm not, I'm not trying to say that, like, you know, we need to have arranged marriage. I'm not saying that. All I'm saying the rate, the, the divorce rate for arranged marriage in America is four percent. Amazing. The divorce rate for uh, folks who fall in love just average where it's around 40 50 percent for arranged marriages is four percent what's that telling you that's telling you that dating isn't as important as we think it is right because they're not dating first they're not going through the whole courtship process um four percent that's amazing that's saying that you truly can love you know whoever you want to love that's saying so many things but the reason i bring that up is to say that you know i heard a pastor give a sermon once on how dating isn't biblical and he gone, he went into this whole, and at first I'm like, man, I don't know, you know, I'm, you know, this is me in my early twenties and I'm dating at the time, but he started making some points and I'm like, and I'm not here to convince either way. I'm just here to lay out just a perspective. Uh, he started making some points and I started to be like, dang, I kind of agree with this because he was saying like, you know, we all look at, you know, 
our kids or young folks and they have their first love and their first heartbreak. And we think that's so cute and precious and like, oh, look at that, you know, your first love and you had this heartbreak and blah, blah, blah. But like, actually, that heartbreak has put up a wall which may never be torn down in your life. What you may carry in at the age of 16, 15, 14, you may have a wall go up because somebody broke your heart that will persist into your marriage and cause problems for you and your future wife. And that, and that, that continues goes, throughout that, your life. That goes back to where slavery has taken our traditions away from us, the root. And right now we're in this Egypt and we, we're going to have to deal with where we're at right now to, to get it right. And so... If we were back back where our the roots were, we can't we would have prearranged marriages. We would have uh, multiple marriages. What's what do you call it? Uh, what do you mean for prearranged marriages? Prearranged and multiple wives. Plural, we plural marriage. It's plural marriage. Plural mar marriage. But we're not yeah. there. We're in the United States, so that's why I was kind of trying to keep it here with what we're dealing with right now. But see, and you know, it's funny, I heard this quote this morning, I was reading this, it said, to be well adjusted to a sick society is no sign of health at all. And I think that, you know, uh, going back to this idea of dating, it's just like our society, our social media, everything is, you know, all of our movies, our media, it shows, you know, I'm, I'm appalled sometimes as I watch TV and, uh, you know, as soon as someone likes somebody, they have sex. You know, that's the thing for to on, on TV, right? Like, if I like you, that means it's time to have sex. Um, and just the messages that are being passed along through our our, our media and our TV, and, you know, it, it goes into you and it, it takes root. And then we express these values. And so, you know, there's just so many th things that come from dating. And again, I'm somebody, I'm not talking from somebody that didn't date, et cetera, et cetera. Like me and my wife dated before, uh, you know, we got married, et cetera. But I'm just laying out a perspective of, we can both sit here and, and most likely say that there's things that have happened in our past that we brought into our marriage that keep us from getting as close as we possibly can. There's things that, as you say, you got to work on yourself. There's things that are there that if you're not actively seeking to overcome um, can cause problems for you in your marriage. And it's stuff that happened from somebody that is meaningless to you, what you would think is meaningless to you in this day and age, but uh, you know, it's a soul tie or, uh, some kind of deep hurt that you just can't let go. So you still have this barrier up, even for your spouse, who you said, you know, for better or for worse, there's still this wall up or this thing up uh, because of that. And that's, and that's just a breakup, barely yet a divorce, right? Mm -hmm. And everything that comes with a divorce with kids and, you know, 20 plus years or whatever it may be. And so, you know, it's not necessarily how God designed it for us to be hurt again and again and again and come into our, our oneness uh, with this, well, I mean, how can you be one when you have a wall? Literally, the idea, the 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 imagery there, right, of having a wall separates you from oneness. Um, and so, you know, this idea of dating, you know, I know there's mixed opinions on it, but I just wanted to lay it out as well as like, should we really be encouraging our our kids to date and do all this kind of stuff and all of this? Is it good to go through all these things before you find the person that's right for you? Um, it's an interesting conversation to have, you know? Uh, so I wanted to bring that up as well. Uh, then the other thing that I think is really tough within a marriage and a modern marriage is, uh, especially for folks that are, you know, around the age of 30 and under, is uh, social media shaping perceptions. Social media, seeing, you know, these perceptions of what marriage should be from that lens of 
somebody who has given you the best day of their life that they've molded and crafted to look in this very particular way. The cake already baked. (laughs) But then that's showing you, you know, all the work and all the the things that have to go into this, the patience and the forgiveness and the, just all of that has to go into it to to, uh, truly have a healthy marriage. And so they give you the the positives never without ever showing the negatives. So when the negatives come, you feel like something's wrong with you and your marriage when it's just, it's par for the course, right? We got to learn how to work through that uh, and get through these kind of things. But you see the grass is greener on social media. You see the grass is greener with these influencers and all this other stuff. Um, and it's just a warped sense of reality uh, that we're seeing. Um, and, you know, you look back into, you know, a rabbi's generation, uh, et cetera, and you see so many marriages that, have gone 50 plus years and all these years, and we ask for the secret or the sauce. And a lot of us in our generation, we can't even, we can't even relate because they say, you know, it's just putting in the work. Whereas we see it, we see, oh no, it shouldn't be that much work. Look at so and so on social media. Look at so and so. They just have fun. They go on trips. They're not doing, but it's like that's unrealistic, man. And so it's just so much, it's so much uh, oh, for lack of a better term, so much fakeness in society. It's so much of a facade of you know here's this veil when you lift the veil you don't really see what's actually there um and so you know getting to me personally i say the things that have been tough for me in my marriage number one is not having the example never having an example of what love looks like on a daily basis not having an example of what it looks like to have a mother and a father in the kitchen just hugging one another or kissing one another um, and just just the daily interactions. You know, we talk about love languages and gifts and all this stuff, but to talk about just the daily uh, intimate interactions that you never get to see. And then you, you know, listen to rap or listen or watch these movies or whatever, and you get examples that are against what you actually need to do. Um, and that gets into your spirit. And then you got to figure out a way to, to, get that out to fully express yourself in a relationship. You know, it's just, it's amazing that- um, And and I'm gonna break in real quick. And when I hear you say that, that breaks my heart, but my mechanism since that I couldn't have your father there was to have no one there. If if that, Mm -hmm. but that was just my way of thinking. It's like, I bought a house at 24, you know, I didn't get the picket fence with the husband. So I'm not gonna have anybody around my son because I don't want anybody- that's going to break him. That's going to put something into him. I want to go ahead and mold him myself. So I dated outside the house. I never brought anybody home because I didn't want any men around you. And so that was my way. That was may not be right, but that was my way of doing things. So you didn't see any male figures except your, your coaches and the wrestling coaches. But go ahead. And I want to be very clear on this. I remember when Obama gave this speech back in, I think, 20, uh, 2007, 2008. Uh, about like the effects of a fatherless home um and a lot of people applauded it you know him talking about how uh you know crime rates go up poverty rates go up all this stuff goes up when you don't have two parents in the household and 91 percent of black um single parent households are are single mother households 91 percent that number persists till today but i want to make this clear that i'm not like in no way can you demonize the absentee father, in no way can you judge the choices of a single mom, uh, because you have to understand this is so systematic that, uh, you know, a lot of these fathers don't even have a chance uh, because of the way the system has been created against us in this in this society. 
um, and the way that systematic oppression has run its course in America, and I'm sure in the Caribbeans and other nations that have been um, a product of the transatlantic slave trade. Uh, so, you know, it's not to it's not to even demonize Bill, my own father, who wasn't there, uh, because I think one of the biggest healing moments for me was understanding systematic oppression and how what it does to a Black man and how it makes you feel less than worthy and how uh, it has these psychological effects that, you know, tricks you into thinking that you can't be there for your child. And so, um, you know, it's not to demonize in any way. It's just to call it out and say that, you know, uh, not seeing that is not the way that this thing was designed. And I feel the effects of it, but it's crazy because I look at my own son and since he was probably a newborn, I mean, I can't think of a time when this wasn't true. Uh, when me and my wife are showing affection to one another, when we're in the kitchen kissing one another, or he looks intently and smiles, he can see, he can feel, I don't know if it's the vibrations, I don't know, I don't know what it is, but he can see it, he can feel it, and we can see it on his face. Like, sometimes we'll just kiss in front of him just to look at him, and he'll stop what he's doing, turn to us, and give us just a big smile. Mm -hmm. And it's just like that, you know, that is going into that child. That's talk about uh, DNA, that's express, That's getting into his DNA and expressing parts of him where he feels safe and he feels secure and he feels like, you know, he knows that these two people are here for him uh, in a very loving way. Um, and so it's just, it makes, it makes such a difference. And to the, to the single, to the, to the fathers who may not be holding up their end of the bargain right now, you know, again, it's not to pass judgment. It's not to do anything like that because it is tough, man. And we here in this Egypt under this curse, and there's so many, so many different things that uh, have come against us. Um, but there is hope, you know, it's moment by moment. It's a choice you can make at any moment to go and be with that mom or be with that child and give them your best. And so say there's always hope, but I'll, I'll be the first one to sit here and say that it's taken a great effect on the way that I express myself in my marriage. And I have to reflect and look at my own self again and again and again and see how can I get better? Even though I didn't have the example, there are ways to get better but it can't be passive, right? It has to be very intentional. Um, you have to seek out the resources, seek out the help, seek out the example, seek out uh, all these different things in order to, to do better uh, and be better in your relationship. And so um, I know I'm gonna talk for a second now, so I'll leave mine there, but uh, you know, going on two years and you know, nothing's perfect in our relationship, of course not. But I think the thing that you know saves us, and we are an interracial couple as well. The thing that saves us and that allows us to uh, to to stay to stick together and to continue showing love is that we just we we have love and forgiveness and patience for one another. We understand that we both come from households that weren't ideal. We understand that uh, there's curses, I, I, and again, it's the standing on biblical foundations, understanding that certain stuff that I do, she understands it comes from a curse, and that she has to have patience with me because it's stuff that I can't even see in my own heart, and she might point it out, and I might fight against it, but this Holy Spirit will eventually show it to me, and will, you know, make me whole in that area, and the same thing for her, and I think it's understanding that uh, we have a shared foundation of understanding the curses that are against us, understanding epigenetics and how we can express our DNA in different ways if we just have the patience, if we just have the forgiveness, if we just have the grace with one another. I think that's the big word there is grace, having grace with one another and understanding that, you know, time will make us and also not being like, this is just me, accept me as I am. Understanding that we got to do better than that, that this might be who I am. Um, and there's some areas where that's okay, but a lot of areas like, no, and I can get better, you know, keep pushing on me. I'll keep pushing on you. Iron sharpens iron. 
and you know, let's really get better and mold into the best version of this oneness that we can be in. And I'll go ahead and leave mine there. Amen. Amen. I, I knew this was going to be a, a deep, long topic. And it's a it's a topic that we have to discuss. And you you did a wonderful job expressing yourself. And I'm glad that you addressed the dating thing because you don't have to have sex while dating. Um, you, you don't have to date. And so we're just going by our, our experiences and what's going on in our lives. And so that's why I said sometimes people aren't equipped. If you if you're not equipped with the tools, how how are you going to work this? And so I wasn't equipped with them. Griff wasn't equipped with them. So we're feeling our way around. But this general generational curse is being broken right now with Zion. Okay. And so now we're going to go and thank you so much for opening it up. This is not an easy topic for us. It's not. Um, Kristen, uh, my daughter in love, would you like to say anything? I see that you're on there. Did you want to say anything before we move on to the Daniels? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um. Being being that we're we are coming up on an anniversary, um, Griff and I have discussed a lot of what he just explained. So I will only add one thing. Um. And I think that something that I have been really focused on as we work through our own selves to be the best version of ourselves for our partner is um, praying for my husband. I think that that is something that I hadn't heard just yet. That I think is so important is. How am I praying over my household? How am I ensuring that I'm covering him, my son, and the generations that will come after us? Um, so that is something, you know, even praying for my own self when there are times where when I want to yell or I want to be this other, maybe nastier version of myself, how can I step back and look to the word before I do all of those things? Um, so I think this year above all has been a year of just seeking, seeking, comfort in the fact that there is nothing perfect and that the, the Lord though is. And when I'm, when I need that, just praying over my household and continuing to, to be the rock um, of this unit. So that's the only thing that I would add. And I guess because we're talking about dating, I think that something to add potentially as another perspective is that Dating also doesn't have to be before marriage. It can and should be during marriage, right? You should be dating your spouse. And what does, you know, ask, and this is something that I've talked to Griff a lot about. What does that look like? Um, and how can we ensure that we're showing that to our son as he gets older? Um, so those are just the two things that I would add. So thank you both for the wisdom that you both provided. Thank you so much for expressing that. Uh, we did say Yahweh. So Yahweh and Yahshua is the prayer over. That's number one. So you, I think you came on a little late, but that was number one. You're going to have to have God. You're going to have to have prayer. Um, I think I'm very proud of you and Griff. I'm very proud of how you're, uh, we were talking about marriage today, how you're raising my grandchild. I'm very proud how you two are in sync and you're building, you're, you've bought a home, you're doing things. You're living the American dream, but even though we're in this Egypt and you're loving on each other. And so it's going to go from generation to generation. And I thank you and I'm proud of you too. All right. So we're going to move on to the Daniels family. We have 21 years. So we went from 10 years with me to two years uh, with the Griffin family. Now we're going to go to 21 years with the Daniels family. 
Praise y'all, praise y'all. I just kept, while everyone was um, <laughs> saying everything, there so many thoughts went through our mind, but I just kept thinking of that song um, with Cece Winans, where she's like, can we skip to the part where we come to our senses before we both go too far? Because love shouldn't be so high. Can we stop where we are and drop our defenses? Find where forgiveness, forgiveness starts. Let's stop where we are and skip to the healing part. That was rough <laughs> and unplanned, but it just kept, you know, how I do if something keeps ringing in my head, ringing in my head. And I was like, why was that ringing in my head? And I guess that probably has, it's probably the sum total of our <laughs> situation in many ways where it's like the biggest thing we have besides the fact that um, we did have a matchmaker. It was the most high. <laughs> we did have a matchmaker and it was the most high, you know, when I wasn't even thinking about him, it was kind of like, did you consider, <laughs> you know? So we did have that matchmaker, but um, the healing part and the and the coming to our senses and not going below the belt and 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 the forgiveness. I would say the forgiveness is probably the biggest part that that played because we probably thought we were on an even scale when we began. And and like you say, when you when you're getting to know each other outside of living together, you know, and then you know the parents were involved, and so you know there were even limitations to how much dating and alone spending we were doing but um you think you know <laughs> but you don't know and and you come in with different baggage and different situations and our i think like parental experience was different too and so i felt like i came in with real realities because i had the two parents and the marriage and so i had the reality of what marriage was not the fairy tale you know the 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 good, the bad, and, and how you get through even when it's tough and all of that stuff and, and not thinking, oh, you know, it's just gonna be perfect all the time. You know, I had that reality because I saw, you know, the reality. My parents, my mom is actually here, <laughs> wave mom. <laughs> and um, my parents have been married for 41, Hello, 42. Mom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so I, I think I, I think I cut you out. How long have your parents been married? It's 41 going on 42. It's actually my age. So, <laughs> yeah. Mom, if you're speaking, you should unmute because we don't hear you. Hello. Good morning, everyone. Wow. I forgot I muted myself. Yeah, this year will be 43. 43 yeah mm -hmm. so it's like one year before 1980 right? yeah mm -hmm. <laughs> so yeah i'll let um my husband start i just the song was ringing in my head and so i was trying to reason why the most i kept putting that song in my head and i i think that's what it is it's it's not that it's been perfect we've had adjustments we actually had the roughest times probably in our marriage at the beginning you know but just like he said before i got married and had me pray before i even you know the the night before the wedding and said you will not make it through this marriage without me and and he's been faithful to that and he's kept us and and he's shown me how to forgive for things i said if this happens i will never <laughs> and then i did <laughs> you know because he told me to and you know a lot of times when when i i see 
how we got through things, it was because he told me to when I would get in my flesh and in my feelings and think I had a right to something or, or had a right to say this or a right to do that. And because of this, it's my right. He would say, no, you don't, you know, and yeah, you might in this case, but what happens if you do, <laughs> you know? And so he's been that perfect counselor. The most high has been the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit has been that perfect counselor for, for me, you know, so that there's something beyond myself stopping me from doing the things I would do that would make things go wrong a lot of the times. And it's not that I always listen, <laughs> but you know, there's someone who said, um, that the most high plan B, you know, can sometimes be even just as spectacular as the plan A. And so, you know, he still has this way of this, just like we always talk about that teshuva that you can do that way of circling you back, even when you've made that mistaken that error and showing you forgiveness through marriage and how you forgive each other and you can understand the forgiveness of him um babe i'll let you take it right. i guess i'm just thinking partnership you know recognizing that marriage in itself is a partnership and it, it becomes a problem when one person decides to become a sole proprietor where you want to be the sole person and as she's already mentioned, I think ultimately recognizing that Yah has to be involved because from the very beginning it was established that without him that this just wouldn't work. And, and so oftentimes Rabbi talk about ego and, and it is so easy especially for men to, to get wrapped up in your ego and that in itself becomes a barrier creator because now you're creating separation between you and your wife. And whereas your intent was not that, but due to your ego, it, it becomes a blinding effect where you can't see properly. And so it's already been established. A few people have mentioned it, going back and recognizing that Yah is the one that is able to give us better sight. Mm -hmm. um, because even when there would be times where as, as a man, your ego gets in, in the way. And, and so Yah literally, I guess, kind of spoke to me in a very sincere way where he's like when you came into this marriage you had no prerequisites and so you're now not gonna establish now that you are in marriage as to reasons why you your, your marriage could be destroyed and so coming to that knowledge realizing that how you came in and, and sister Easter mentioned that as well you you know that person so now don't start to establish new requirements because that becomes a problem. Now you're looking for a plan B. And while Yah might have a perfect plan B, human beings tend not to have a perfect plan B. That plan B is really a destruction of your marriage. And so for humans, there should be no plan B. Your only plan should be to be observant in your marriage and recognize things when they're happening, when they're about to happen, so that with Yah's help, you could take the proper steps or put in the proper safeguards. Because again, this is really something that has to be safeguarded. Um, it is yours. And if you don't safeguard it, then no one else will. Mm -hmm. you know? But you have to recognize the, the good and the bad of it. And recognizing that despite all of this, you have already made an agreement before Yah and people that you will take both the good and the bad in health, in sickness, it doesn't matter what comes. And, and so ultimately I think marriage is made better when you recognize your human frailty and limit and recognizing that you do need your 
to be that third strand that kind of binds and keeps you together. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. One thing I did want to um, interject, they were talking about the subject of dating and mm -hmm. I remembered you giving me that book, remember? I kissed dating goodbye. <laughs> explain more what it is and I also remember my mom like giving us some advice which we laughed at at the time and started to it became a reality we didn't date too long he always jokes that he said like we were together for more than 21 years because it took him like five years or so to, to um, <laughs> get to that point because I was really young I, we got married I was 20 he was 27. 27 and of course so you would know that if he started liking me at a certain age it was like that can't so it's like we had to close that book <laughs> you know like you may like her but this is not happening because we do live in the u.s it would probably be a different story in saint lucia or somewhere else and so like we liked each other early but we didn't start we were friends for all of that from the time that we started i was like 16 when we became friends and then but he was always that person that i could just tell every and anything to and so, you know, while I wasn't thinking of him that way until the most high suggested it to me and stuff. And then I still was like, I'm putting the fleece before you. You sure about this? <laughs> but um, yeah, we didn't, we barely dated before we got married, it, obviously, because I was 20 years old. So there wasn't much time for dating. And so the dating did happen afterwards more for us. But um, we had the friendship and we had these two friends who were dating. And then when we got engaged, it was funny when we went and told our pastor, she was like, I didn't even know y'all liked each other. That's how much non-dating we were <laughs> But the little room we had for dating, my mom gave us this speech about, and don't go kissing and stuff because kissing leads to other things. <laughs> and, you know, to be perfectly honest, we did not totally obey that but then we told we quickly um mitigated that because we realized she was absolutely right we're like we just better get married <laughs> and so so he asked my parents and and they you know said okay my father did wish that we would i would have finished school first you know i was 20 so i was in the middle of school in the middle of college at that time but um but they both gave their approval and here we are 20 something years later and definitely we would not have made it without him because you know some of you may know all the child losses that we've had and everything we've went through and and you know there's some parts of the story you know you will not know it's it's more his story to tell than mine i'm just i was in it but it's a stronger on his case but we just definitely look back and say we would not have made it and and definitely the honesty of it all came from like a lot of times the Holy Spirit, you really do, it really is a help. You'll save yourself some money on on a counselor, <laughs> I'll put it this way, because he can see the inside of you and tell you the truth about yourself when everybody else might be lying to you and telling you how great you are, you know, but you're doing bad things to your partner <laughs> or saying bad things to your partner, or, you know, it might not have been wrong to someone else, but you know your partner and, and what is nurturing for them and what is helpful for them and what will build them up as a co-easter said or tear them down and so you can't that's the other thing i remember early in our marriage and my husband would say something he would say he was um a good husband and i was like a good husband in comparison to other husbands who are doing a bad job or the best version version of a husband you can be and mm -hmm. i was like what i want for us is for us to be the best version of a husband and a wife that we can be what the most high has put in us everything should come out in what his plan is for us being joined together because 
definitely that is part of our testimony. He did join us together. There were those who tried to tear us asunder, but in the end, Yah has gotten the glory. Amen. Amen. I guess the last thing I'll say is just conversational communication. Um, conversation is not always easy, mm -hmm. but they're necessary. Um, and mm -hmm. a, a lot of times we have conversations within our own minds and we never verbalize it. But once you start to verbalize it, you realize that your partner is also thinking the same and having the same questions. And so now you could handle it, pray about it, lay it all out. So that way that doesn't become a barrier or a stumbling block in your relationship. And I yeah, think I'll stop right that's there. That's right. Because the struggles that I talked about, I was like, we had our biggest struggles in the beginning. It was, that was what we found was the problem was that we were not talking. We were assuming the other knew. And so we actually early on had to go for counseling and it helped the person, you know, themselves was just studying counseling at the time. And so I remember my mommy was like, are you sure about the choice? But what I realized um, about it was that just having that third party that was not as biased in the, in the relationship to say certain things, you know, outside of ourselves was very helpful for us to see ourselves. And they did give us some really good tools for the future in terms of addressing, addressing things and, you know, what, what the situation should look like, how we should discuss disagreements and things of that nature. So, yeah, I think I'll, I'll wrap it up there. Thank well, you. thank you so much for opening up. That's 21 years. I know, um, Sister Daniels, you said you came up in a married household. Brother Daniels, did you come up in a married household too or not? It's, it's sort of a complicated story. <laughs> I did, but I didn't, if that makes sense. Um, my mom was married, but her husband at the time left and my dad came in and had me and, and a younger sister. Um, he asked her to marry him, but because she was married, she rejected him. And so as a result, they never got married, stayed separated. But my mom herself continued to be married and her husband who abandoned her eventually came back. And, um, they were married and I only, I only I only ask because I can tell you two had a foundation of seeing mm -hmm. what marriage is. I just yes. felt that. So even though uh, her marriage didn't work out, you came from a married household. So mm -hmm. early on, you established that I'm not, I'm just not going to lay with this woman. My intentions are to marry this woman. And, yes. and right. That, right. That there was no premarital intercourse. Correct. Right. And we were actually both virgins. At That's beautiful. Too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So that was an interesting walk with the most high too. <laughs> so that's what having that that's what having that covering and that household that Zion is under right now was going to do to say I'm just I'm just not gonna just just to date. This is a woman I'm looking for as a wife, not someone just to lay with. And so that's what we have to give back to uh, building our foundation. We get rid of that generational curse and, and we thank you, Mama, for uh for all you've instilled in your beautiful daughter. And we thank his mother. Thank you. All she's instilled in her mother, father, and, and son to the Daniels family. Thank you. I, I often compare them as chicken chong. I don't think there is a more compatible, you know, pair than these two. <laughs> I think they are more compatible than my husband and I. <laughs> 
And every time I look, I say, y'all are chicken chong. Y'all agree on almost everything. Y'all reach compromises. And they have been such a wonderful example of marriage. I think they should be doing marriage counseling, especially for young people. And um, I didn't even know about my son-in-law. I knew my daughter was still pure when she met him. And to find out, even at his age, he still maintained his purity for his wife. I thought that was the most beautiful thing on both of their parts, you know, and the struggles they've been through with the conception and stuff. And still, you know, there is so much love and you could tell they love each other. You can't even say one word about my daughter to my son-in-law. <laughs> He listen, but he'll jump in because my daughter is almost like we never even had to slap her twice <laughs> in life. She was just like, and I often say to people, I don't think I made her so such a good child. She was just a good child from birth, you know. We have four children; they all have their challenges, but she was one of the. And my eldest son, they were two who didn't give you trouble. She didn't like licks. When she saw a belt, she would be running all over the house, even though she wasn't getting whipped. But um, she she just didn't, you know, get into trouble. And if she was with a bunch of kids, she would always be the one. Behave yourself, you know. And I'm, I'm trying to discipline other kids, you know. So and mama, thank God for them. And Mama, when I look at you and I look at uh, Rabbi and Nicola Lisa and how you're the older now slavery happened you're the older generation you all been together 40 something years it's like how did it happen to us but I think about what Minister Griff said the music and, and everything mm. the TV and the, the genocide like influences the of abortion and all these things yeah but these platforms on us and the drugs that was dropped over in our neighborhoods and the yeah, and I it's say an that's, agenda. Yeah, that's where it all it, yeah. it it broke apart. It fell apart. It fell apart. Again. And I think because every time yeah, we I think together, like Wall Street, here comes the bomb again, dropping on us. Yeah. Boom. But but do you know? And I think a lot of it too. I'm so glad that we are having this Bible. I the Lord was showing me that many of us have complied to the Western culture. And we forget the word of God. Even when my daughter was getting married at 20 and a lot of people thought it was young, I said, uh, Mary got married at 15. These Jews don't let their kids get into because if your body was not ready for certain functions, God would not give you menstruation. He would not give you. So we have adapted so much to the Western culture that kind of take away from what the word of God has planned for marriage and planned for us. So we tell our children, go to school, be 25, be 30, when all the eggs are diminishing, you know, and their hormones, the estrogen level. And by the time they get married, sometimes they can't even conceive because they have gotten older, you know. So we need to go back to the word of God. And as, as we do today and we focus on what the word is saying about marriage is saying leaving marriage has three principles leaving cleaving and becoming one okay so you leave your parents and stuff you cleave together in love and you become the two become one and that's why when we separate marriage and we sever that bond it becomes like a physical pain you know because we are supposed to be so attached and connected and people don't understand, you know, divorce. And But we need to go back to the word of God and what the word is saying. God don't make mistakes. 
you know, and we tell our children, oh, you got to wait. And I love what your daughter said, and I'll, I'll be quiet and let somebody come in. When she said about we need to date, this is what made our marriage survive. You don't stop dating after you get married. And my kids can tell you on Friday nights, always they would see somebody, okay, can you stay home, blah, 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 blah. And we would go out and we would date a lot. So I love what she put in, continue to date, and I'll stop. Amen. Yeah, can, I quickly, can I quickly follow up on, uh, oh, I'm sorry, just can I quickly follow up on Brother Daniel's point? Um, I thought this was a very strong, I mean, a lot of very strong points. Thank y'all for being so vulnerable and sharing as much as you did. But uh, Brother Daniel said, there has to be no plan B. And that's, you know, that's so countercultural to what our culture teaches us. You look at the divorce rates, look at, you know, the media, it's just like, if that one don't work, get divorced and get another one, you know, try it again, you know, and it's all this coming at you from that perspective. And it gives you this idea of an out where people are just getting divorced because they don't like a person enough, you know, like whatever it may be. I think Brother Daniel said it so, so eloquently, like there's, it is no plan B. Like, you know, we understand we made a commitment to one another and that commitment is a lifetime. It's, it's an eternal commitment. You know, forget a lifetime. This is an eternal commitment. Um, And so coming into a marriage with that understanding of like, um, when I get my partner, there is no plan B. There is no, I hope this works. There is no, uh, none of that. This is, this is what I'm committing to. And I'm going to follow through on that commitment. I mean, it's a mindset shift that we have to make as a people. We can't, as, uh, as uh, Sister Daniel's mother said, you know, it can't be following the Western culture, the ways of the Western culture, and just thinking that we can just you know, do whatever, like, no, there, there is a way to do this the right way. That's if we right. come in with that mindset shift and go back to our roots and go back to, you know, who we are as a people and what we know to be right, then we'll be all right. And even in the midst of this, even in the midst of this madness, and this craziness, we'll be all right. But I love that, you know, and that's something that, you know, uh, really just stuck with me, brother Daniel, there is no plan B. Have that mindset shift and come in with that mindset and you'll be all right. Another thing that I like that, uh, Brother Daniel said, Minister Daniels, would safeguard your marriage. Safeguard your marriage. Close those doors. Safeguard it. And, and his his mother-in-law, Mother Love, even came in and said, you can't talk about one to the other. And she's a mother, and she can't even come in there <laughs> talking about it. And I, when we hit up on that, he said communication. And that's why I say, get away, have a trip, go to a park, go to the lake, hold hands, talk. You all have to talk. And even like mm -hmm. I said, and sex is, is central too. That's a part of having sex is is that holding hands and, and being connected and communicating. It's not just a physical thing. That's what I was saying earlier. It's an emotional thing for us women. Emotional, yes, yes. And so then mm -hmm. when you approach them, and, and when I said about them wanting to do it, it'll be the way you approach things. It'll be okay. It'll work yeah. out. It's not no prouncing on them. No, that's not how you do things. You mm -hmm. love on them. And so I uh, I appreciate everybody opening up. Um, and so we're going to go to the, 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 the highest of the year, 44 years. Hey. <laughs> Bye-bye, Austin, Vinya Cove, and Nakota Lisa. You have the mic, 44 years. And so um, let's hear. I'm taking notes. Because I'm trying, to, I'm trying to get there. Because it's it's been a struggle, but I'm gonna tell you something that um, oh, well, it left my mind. Oh, one of the things that uh, 
I know he's my soulmate is I can't stay mad at him. It's something about Jerry that I can get very angry. And then like, I just can't stay mad at him. And I never experienced that with another man. Cause I'm one of those people. Mm -hmm. I'm done. I'm done. I don't want to talk to you. Don't call me. Don't, but it's, I just can't stay mad at him. Uh, but go ahead. We're going to deal with this 44 years now. <laughs> well, I, I go to Lisa. You want to talk? No. No. <laughs> See? <laughs> I will well, talk when it's time. Yeah. I, I don't know. You know, for me, there's no secret ingredient except for, you know, there, but there are many ingredients, but not one secret ingredient because it takes a whole host of things. Um, a little bit about our background is my background. I'll let Akota Lisa tell you about hers, but mine was, I grew up in a family that was traditional. Um, uh, you know, um, my mom, my dad, you know, married for, from death to with part and, you know, the whole thing. And my grandmother and granddad were next door, you know, uncles and aunts around the corner and they were all family. It's just not just my mother and father, but my grandparents and my great grandparents were together. So imagine that my great grandparents were together. And we saw them as a family. So all these generations of family. So that's what I knew and I understood when I met Akota Lisa. Now, I, before I met Akota Lisa, I was in the military for that three years in the Army. And so I got out of the Army in 1976. I met Akota Lisa in 1977. We were married in 1978. Okay, so there really was no dating. It was a courtship. I know that Akota Lisa said to me that she did. She wanted to be married for life. She didn't want to be one of those in and out. She wanted to be married for life. I was already committed when I met her. When I met her, I was committed to her when I met her on the dance floor. I made a commitment then. She didn't know it, but I already made a commitment that I was going to marry her. And I said, before I'm 25, I'm going to get married. I got married on the first, we got married on the 1st of November. I turned 25 on the 20th of November. Okay. So that was a commitment there. And since that time, all these years, and I'm, I'm going to tell you, I was a mess. I was a hot mess then. I'm still kind of a hot mess. But, but through it all, the thing that we've done, I think that we have done is when one of us has been down, the other one's up. We support each other all the way through. We've been angry with each other. Sure, you're going to because we come from different households and different backgrounds, different experiences. But the thing is that we committed, right? And, and with the commitment, there are challenges. As Brother Daniel said, ego gets involved, especially with Men, ego get involved. But the thing, again, again, I go back to the fact that it was my responsibility to build a fence around the family, our marriage and our family. And I didn't, family is more important to me than anything else. When I, again, committed to Akota Lisa, my friends took a second uh, place when I married. When I started to the courtship. When we started the courtship, I was already cutting loose friends. 
and you know and and changing things. It was a it's a changing process because we're growing through the stages of life, you know, and and with the testosterone going and you know, law enforcement, we get in law enforcement, you put that uniform on, then with men, women are chasing after you. And it's the same when a woman puts on a uniform, the men are chasing after you because they see the authority in their uniform. And then when you go into ministry, it's the same thing. People are come after you because of the position. They see the power and they come after you and they make, they come to you. And so a Codalisa built a fence around the marriage and that she knew when the women were coming after me, she would say, are you going to tell her or am I going to tell her? That's putting a fence around the marriage. Are you going to say something or do I need to say something? You know, that's guarding and protecting. And, you know, those things are so important in, in a marriage. 44 years and I still don't know her because <laughs> we're changing. We're ever changing. And the thing is, I'm still committed. I still have that fence. I'll tell you, you know, uh, a coat, um, Easter, a coat, Daniels. Um, you can count the minutes that I've spoken to you all on the phone or any other way alone. Count them on your fingers how many times it's been because there's a fence there. Now, we'll, I'll talk on the, online with you forever. As long as there were, you know, at least two people there, I will. But I have this guard where I do not want to have the door closed when I'm talking to another woman. This is not supposed to happen because of the fence that I put. We put a fence around the Torah. We have to put a fence around our family. And I do not allow and do not like, and, and I'll take it to a code at least. I say, if a man talks to you, I need to, you know, I don't like that. And I tell her, I, I, you need to fix that. You know, either if I fix it, it's going to be more permanent. That breaks the total relationship when I do it because it's, I go in total destruction. So I just, I will let, you have to deal with this because if you don't, you know, when I go, it's, it's nuclear and there's no coming back from it. So, you know, you have to deal with it. And so, um, so those are things that are very, again, the marriage is so important because the opposite sex is a, is a can be a problem, even and I can't say we'll go to church no because in the church I saw it in the church. I've seen it in this, in, you know, and you know, and it's terrible, and it perpetuates this thing of divorce and 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 you know, tearing down families. Tearing, and once you once you damage the ego of a man, it's a very dangerous thing because you know you're already beaten down from from the world system but then you know and it's the same thing with the woman if the woman is not comfortable with you if you if she you know it's, it's just detrimental to the to the marriage and then your children are going to see that and there it's going to be in their psyche uh, brother griffin said his son when he sees them kissing you know it just brings the joy when i saw my mother and father he'd go and put his arm around i, I knew that I, I i understand that you know um there are challenges and there are going to be challenges. But again, in, if you're going to see this thing through, even though you may disagree with each other and, and stand toe to toe and, and, and eye to eye and, still, and you know, nose to nose and never see eye to eye, in the end, you're going to come out, you're committed to each other, committed to this thing. 
because your commitment is not to you and her and him and her alone it's to the father who joined you allowed you to be joined together and and this thing about cleaving that's what it means this means i forsake everyone else and it talks to the man about this because it's the us men that have the ego issue generally it's the men that have the ego issue generally it's the men that run to, to cause the wife to go out generally it's the man and so our egos that's why we have five or six wives. That's why we have all these mysteries because our ego is playing such a part in it. And it's destructive. It is destructive. That penis, that other head inside of you that's thinking for you, you need to put a cat, forget about it. You know, forget about it. You know, and, you know, understand that, that um, your wife, when you step out on your wife, she knows it. She may not see it, but she knows it. Women, when you step out on your husband, he knows it. Scripture talks about it in Sotah. It says the spirit of jealousy comes on because this is a spiritual thing that's happening. And the adversary does that because he understands in the spiritual realm, the, the spouse is going to know it. They know it. They know it. And they're going to act out on it before it happens. They know it. And the warning signs will come. They will let you know they know. So you have to know your spouse in that respect. So they know, you know, that something's going on. So this thing, again, my thing is build that fence and guard and protect that which you have in that community, in that thing. And communications, all these things that have, have been spoken before are all true. They're all, they're all important. And we have to understand that, right? We have to understand that. See, in our culture, we've been told that you have to be in love. But we find that as as uh, Brother Griffin said, arranged marriages, that was it was just, it was arranged. Mm -hmm. Love came later. Mm -hmm. In the beginning, for us, we fall in lust. And we think that it's love. But when you start to build a fence around things and start to really commit to it, then the love starts. The, then the love comes. Sometimes after you've had two or three children. Sometimes years later, the love comes. But before that love, there's that, again, like in arranged marriage, there's a commitment. See, the thing about arranged marriages is there's a commitment done. See, in the culture of that culture of commitment, of, of, of the arranged marriage, there's a commitment to the, not just to that person, but to the families. The extended families are also involved in that arranged marriage. I have arranged marriages in my family on the Indian side. I have a cousin now that his son doesn't want to, you know, don't want anything to do with it because he doesn't want to speak Tamil. But his father wants to do an arranged marriage for him. But, he, but, but again, they grew up in America, and so he's been Americanized. Right. And so, again, that commitment, that part that let the let, you know, love will come if you if you are able, if you if it, love, love happens in the beginning, that's fine. Build on that. But with that love, without commitment, you're still going to get a divorce. Because love is fleeting sometimes. You're hurt. You see, and you and you know, and in the commitments and all the years, sometimes you fall out. You say, "I fell out of love," and fall out of love. You know, yeah, we fell out of love. No, 
Oh, oh, what is that? Unreconcilable differences. What kind of foolishness is that? You see? No, commit. Build a fence. And, and when your spouse makes a mistake, forgive them and help them work through it. You work through it together. Because believe me, you know, you're going to make some kind of mistake financially or you're going to say the wrong thing or something's going to happen with that fence up. And if that fence gets a hold of it, fix that fence, close that breach, and learn from that and go forward. Know, find out about your spouse, what are their weaknesses and what are their strengths. That's one of the things we have to do, try to learn our spouse. What are their weaknesses and what are their strengths? And one of the ways you can do that is by looking at the family. Because the traits come from the family. So you say, okay, this is, you know, because I'm married to you, but I understand this is what has happened. So I know how to deal with it, how to well, put a fence, again, strengthen that fence. Many of us say, well, I, you know, I didn't have a father or a mother. And you get married spouse, they, they know that. So what they have to do is say, okay, I understand there may be some areas that we have to, I may have to help you in the strengthening of. And you may have to help me to understand certain things. It's a growing process. Again, it's not cookie cutter. Every relationship, every marriage is going to be different. You're going to have different challenges because of where you came from and life experiences. Make the commitment, build the fence, and then check your keep that ego in check as much as you possibly can. We have examples of it through the scripture. But if you cannot apply those examples in life, there's going to be a challenge. Okay. Those marriages that are in the scripture from the beginning, all the way up until it starts talking about in the book of Ephesians, they are there to give you insight and instructions on how to build a fence around your marriage and your family. Not just about the marriage. It's about the family all around. And the corporate family, you know, because you're an example to your nieces, your nephews, your brothers and your sisters in their marriages. You are their example. Because believe me, your family members are watching your marriage. I call it, at least you want. <laughs> She's got a lot of stuff. Very, yes, 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 yes. Right now, I give praise to Iloa. But I want to put out a question just like Minister Griff did. What about the couples that have been married 30, 40, 50 years and don't know God? Don't give acknowledge to God. What about them? What holds them together? In the Jewish home, they are very polite as a quote Ethel said they always say thank you they always acknowledge uh, gratitude they always uh, say please and excuse me and I thought that was a quality that I wanted in my home in my own life I love it that's polite that has nothing to do with as she said earlier oh well that's my husband I ain't got to say excuse me Oh, but that's my wife. Oh, what? She's supposed to. That's not life. 
we have been colonized. America has screwed us over. I bless each and every one of you for coming out, getting away from, peeling off the layers, peeling off the onion skins of this culture and society and community. Um, there's a lot I have to say about the American dream, but I won't say it here. <laughs> um, as quickly as you can, get out. That may be the good for some, and it may not. But I'm, I'm thankful for so many things, and this is not what I had planned to say, but I'm thankful for so many things. My upbringing is different from Rabbi's upbringing. He had his mom and dad, family, grandparents, great-grandparents in his midst. I did not, I came up like Sister Ethel. I came in a single mother household with a brother. There was a baby in between us who passed from SIDS. So there was a lot of protection around me for fear that I may go to. But nevertheless, I grew up in my mother's sister's homes. And there was structure uh, there. There were brothers and sisters that I did not have in my home. I had a brother, but there were sisters. And that was what I longed for. And I used to come home from school. Mom, when you're going to have a, a, have a, a baby so I can have a, a brother and a sister? That was all I wanted at that age was a sister because my classmates had sisters. But I was always, and I didn't realize this until I became an adult. I didn't realize this. I was always the little girl who walked to school late. But I would pray about my husband. I didn't know how to get a husband. I didn't know what a husband was supposed to be, what he was supposed to do, but I knew I wanted one because there was not one in my life. I described him perfectly to the father. I didn't know who I was talking to. I was seven. I was eight. I was nine. I didn't know, but I told him everything I wanted. And when the time came, he presented him to me. Of course, I didn't like him, but I learned to. See, when you all got married, you married in lust. Over the years, love has come. Over time, love has come. It doesn't just happen immediately. There are some that it does. That's great. But lust plays a big part. Ego as Rabbi said, plays a big part. When I was describing my husband to the father, I, I even told him, he told me his name, Frederick. Six, seven, eight, nine. I don't want nobody named Frederick except the twins that my brother played with. They were, their names were Frederick and Kendrick. That didn't mean anything to me. Got in junior high school, still didn't mean anything to me. Got in high school, I think ninth grade, tenth grade. I dated a classmate, his classmate, as a matter of fact, his name was Frederick. And I was like, is this the one? Ooh, no. Nope, not the one. Not the one. Not until my sophomore year of college, 
did um, Nuke, I believe it was, sophomore year. And it was altogether different. I had dated, you know, guys, but they weren't anything to write home about. You know, it wasn't, oh, this is the one. No, 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 no. It wasn't that kind of dating. Um, but I knew after some time that my husband was going to be my husband. This, this is the one. What, what else do I need to look for? What else do I need to look for? So be patient. Patience plays a big, a big part. Be kind, be courteous, be understanding. Don't lose who you are. Do not compromise your standards. Grow, as Sister Echo said, grow. When Rabbi and I go somewhere, we hold hands. That's, that's just like us walking. We hold hands. And our daughter has seen that. And she was dating a guy some time ago. And that's what she wanted to do. We were going to the rodeo. And she wanted to hold hands. But he wasn't that kind. To some men, that's, uh, you don't do that out in public. Well, you don't need to hold hands and cry. <laughs> you know, you're right there together. But she saw her mom and dad do things. Our sons have gawked at us, kissing or whatever. They just, ah, no, go get room. You know, that type of thing. Um, so show signs of affection. Uh, be careful where you do that because in some communities, in some places, it's um, frowned upon. But, you know, check out the community if that's permissible. Um, if you want to show affection. It's very important. Um, it seals, it helps to seal the relationship. Talk a lot. Communication is severely important because, you know, my husband will say something and it, I have to come back and like, I graduated college before they offered the mind reading class. I didn't get that class. So you have to know what that person is thinking. It just doesn't show on their face. It just doesn't, uh, you don't have to write you a note or whatever. Talk, talk a lot, talk a lot. When children come into play, share. Well, I think I had my own ideas about how I was gonna raise our children. I knew we were gonna have them. I thought that we would have more, but other things in life, life happened. Let's say it like that, life happened. So um, talk about what expectations or what things that you want to accomplish when having children, what things you want them to learn. Guard again. I did this severely. I guarded the people that were in my, our children's lives. From school, I went to school. <laughs> I spent a lot of time in school because I needed to know what you were teaching my children. I also wanted to know how you were teaching our children. 
Um, and that was important to me because I'm in education. I was in education. I got my certificate to substitute teach, but I did not stay with that. But I wanted to know, what are you teaching them? How are you teaching them? So that I could comply, so that I could reinforce that at home. And if they're teaching something at a staple in our home, I wouldn't make the difference. No, we don't do that here. I especially do that with our granddaughter, the one that's four. No, we don't permit that in our home. She came home from school and I understand everything is new. Everything is, ooh, ooh, ooh. But she came home with a prayer and I'm like, nope, it didn't work. This is the prayer. Last week, that four-year-old taught her mother the prayer that we pray in Yukashem. I'm combining a couple of prayers together. She taught her mother that prayer. And I saw it was so beautiful. She told her to put her scarf on <laughs> and to bow her head and how many times to say it. And I was, I was thankful that I had the opportunity and the privilege to teach her that. When your children come back from wherever they've been, the, the oldest son is now saying, or was saying when he was in college, mom, I see what you were talking about. I see what you taught me. I thank you teaching me this way. And I thought I would never hear that from my children. Because I didn't know, I had no idea if I was doing it right or not, but I knew it was right in my soul. When our daughter went off to Michigan State, and that was in 79, I believe it was in, no, in 80, Michigan State had uh, an all out beer bust all over the news. Everybody was drinking. Everybody was on campus. Everybody was doing everything. And my mother called me from Indiana. She said, Kim, what are you going to do? I said, Mom, I have to trust that I taught her right. I have to trust that she will not depart from the things that I told her. I have never had any problem from that daughter. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for today, my daughter and her quote unquote husband and children there in Nigeria. And she's learning some new things there. So she's learning about her in-laws, but they have not forgotten what they were taught here. Now, what she may have to do is combine those things, see what works here, what she's been taught and see what she can learn there. Her husband has already prepared a home for her there. He's been building on it for some time. That's what they used to do in the old days, in our original culture, our original way of life, our original community. The husband went and prepared a play for his wife. And that's just like the bride of Christ. I will go away and prepare 
place for you so that, that when I return, you can come too. He's done that for her. But we didn't learn that. We learned it by house and get a move. But these are just some points, some things that I share. There's a whole lot more. Uh, but because of, the, for the sake of time and some other things I have to do, um, I will pause it here. Thank you. Thank you so much. 44 years. So we know, we knew that we, we needed to take notes on that. Um, build a fence. Rabbi said, build a fence. Everything we heard is building. With the marriage is work. It's work, period. I know we had a hand up. Uh, my daughter-in-law, uh, Kristen, if you, you can go ahead and ask your question. She said that was Zion on her phone. That wasn't an actual hand. <laughs> okay. I think that wanted the question. Is there any uh, uh, questions? We had a quote of Lisa. She talked about her family and, and building because she had to figure this out just like I did. When you come, and my mother was very protective of me. I was the baby. When you come from a single parent household, they kind of, because they feel the guilt, they kind of hover over you and make sure everything is all right. And you really don't know. You you just feeling your way around the best you can. But Yahweh, our generation of the prayers, when they say you you built off the prayers of your the generations, your ancestor of prayers, it's true. Speaking to her, her, her husband named to her, leading her, guiding her, her not knowing. But he's here 44 years later. Are you always not a liar? Yep. And she said, with time, love came. And I was I was blinded because I'm like, well, and, and a lot of times Robert said it's less. And yeah, it is it does start with less. And I'm like, I, I thought it was love. And then when I got into it, I'm like, where's my marital bliss here? This is not what I expected. This is not what I thought what I got to work at. He loved me. I love him. Why is this hard? Because you have family involved. You have other dynamics coming. You don't just marry that person. You marry their family. You marry their tradition. You marry who they used to be. You marry who they becoming. You marry who they evolving into. You It's a lot of trinkets going on. You better be ready. Endurance. Know where they come from. Know their background. Know what you up against. It's a lot involved in this. Warfare. Are you going to stand with them? Because it's easy to faint and get a divorce and, and go get that paper and all to do all kinds of stuff. It's easy to bail. Are you going to stand for what you vowed for in your commitment? And it's not easy. I haven't had a marriage of peaches and cream. We still going with 10 years, but we struggle too. Now, social media, don't get it twisted. Little pictures and hand holding. That's just a piece of it. You have to work at this. And if you ain't willing to work, then it's not, it's not going to work. I can tell you now because it's work. 
and it's understanding and it's love and it's patience and it's endurance and everything that's in, in the first Corinthians, it's all of that in some. Mm -hmm. And it's tears and it's pain. And it's good too. Good for you. Mm -hmm. Anybody yeah, else have any questions or want to add to it? Yeah, um, I, I, I uh, go ahead, Sue. Go ahead. Yeah, I think a lot of the failures of marriage to the church has to be blamed because I recall being in church, well, basically all my life. I was initially a Catholic and then I got converted to Pentecostal, you know. And I really recall us having a structure, you know, for uh, a base where we train, uh, especially our young couples mm -hmm. or incoming couples and yeah. teach them yeah. how to successfully prepare for a marriage mm -hmm. uh, that is something that we as leaders of the churches or you know we really need to focus on how do we keep our married couples together how do we teach them how to you know bring their marriage and strengthen their marriage and whether it's through prayer well, you don't have too much of that you have sometimes people preach it over the pulpit and stuff but there is no provision in church you know to really help married couples or to prepare them even now we have like counseling and stuff like that but before I don't even remember married people who were preparing to get married really getting counseling before mm -hmm. they got married so this is something we as a church really need to work on you know, and we have husbands and people getting together in unions and stuff. And it's all about the physical, but we don't prepare people emotionally, you know, emotionally, we do not prepare them for marriage. Marriage is very emotional. You know, it has a lot to do with you. Cause like my sister was saying, sister Esther, it's not all about the physical, because if I'm not emotionally prepared for you, you know, even though physically I might yield to you, there is something within me that is just troubled. You know, I'm just going through the motion, but emotionally I'm not happy, you right. know? So we need to teach, we need to teach that. And I just want to piggyback on what um, Sister Kim said about Africa and us moving to that culture and stuff. Cause I have a story to share about growing up in the Caribbean where um, the community where I grew up in, I just did not see marriage. I saw a lot of parents having kids, four different fathers. And I recall, that's why I know the Lord had a calling on my life. I was 11 years old and I was troubled by that. I was troubled. I didn't know better. I didn't hear better because it became the norm and the culture. But the, the, the generation before my mom, like my grandparents, everybody was married. And one day I stood, I was like, how come grandma was married and, and auntie, mm -hmm. auntie and this? Mm -hmm. But I said, from my mom's generation, all I saw were people living together. And they were shocking. And because the priests, the Europeans came in, the priests yeah. took over yeah. and they never instructed our people that shacking and, and the lifestyle they were living was wrong. So I barely, even at the age of 18, went to two weddings in my country. Mm -hmm. But I recall at the age of 11, I sat on the step and my mom's step and I said, God, I don't want to have ch different children for different fathers. I said that at 11 and I was like, I want my first boyfriend to be my last boyfriend. And I don't want to be exposing myself to every, you know. 
but it's what we are taught. We were not taught that. But in Africa, if you go back, I've been to 13 countries in Africa, by the way, and don't be afraid and don't <laughs> listen to <laughs> The Western culture is telling. I've been to Ghana, Nigeria, Togo, Benin, all the West Africa. Uh-huh. Africa is so beautiful. When I went to Africa, this was the first country, and my daughter can tell I've traveled all over the world, Australia. <laughs> that was the first country when we were leaving. My friends and I, we kind of seg- segregated. When we got to Lagos, we mm. were at the airport and we were buying souvenirs to go home and we kind of split. When we came back and our airline called for us, we started crying. All of us came with tears and we, we were not communicating, but we all had the same emotions about leaving Africa and going back to the West. Mm. When I got to Ghana, Ghana, I just knew my mom, my dad, and everybody from my hometown came from Ghana without even doing the, you know, how do you call it? Uh Right. Now, now to find out, it was the truth. The culture was so similar. It was just like I was home in Ghana. Okay. So those of you who are contemplating and stuff, I no second for you got to see it for yourself everything they show you here you will be so surprised mm-hmm. the shanti tribes the, the our people are so highly educated they are so smart and i was like initially when my girlfriend told me to go i was like i'm not going to africa all they got is fertility queens and kings and all these <laughs> you know witchcraft <laughs> I'll say that to her, and I, I haven't stopped going. I've been to South Africa, Zambia, and you know Zimbabwe. I used to read about Zimbabwe. Africa mm. is so beautiful, and I leave it there. You know, so you can take it back on. Well, well, thank you for that. One of the key one of the key things you said was the churches have failed us. They have failed. Yeah. And I'm not beating on anybody. We're here to tell the truth. They they failed us about teaching us about marriage. They they failed us about having programs for our children. They failed us about keep teaching us where we came from, the slave trade. The churches have failed us in so many ways. There's so many programs they could have established and they've gotten rich. They've gotten a lot of money and they didn't do it. Mm-hmm. They continue. They continue to. And I'm not saying all churches, but the church. Right. They have failed us. And that's why we call this the Hebrew congregation. Because originally mm. I started off with the Hebrew church. And then mm. we changed it to the Hebrew congregation. Rabbi Avshalom and, and, and Akola Lisa is like, think about the church. You came from the church. Now we're doing something else. It is. It's, it's the congregation. And we're here to build you up. We're here to tell you the truth. And if, if they would come together and do what they're supposed to do and teach you... Our, us as a nation, we would rise a whole lot faster. But if you start teaching the truth, they worried about this. They worried about the money. They worried about the offering. People leaving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, they don't even. Uh, they don't even touch the subjects. They don't. Yeah. 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 Rabbi, you're going out. We've been on. We've been on so long. We burning up the airways. They trying to get us up off of here. Yeah, I, I'm, yeah I, I'm going to do a, a little apologetics for the for some of the congregations, the, the churches. Rabbi, we can't hear you. The churches because, oh, what's going on with my thing here? There's something going on here with my Your modem, Yours and Nicole Lisa starting to go down a little bit. What we're going to do is go ahead and, because we're two hours in, we're going to have to okay. do another segment. And so, yeah. uh, 
I, I figured it was going to be long. Um, the Daniels family, if you can go ahead and take us out with the song, and then we'll just do another segment. <laughs> We're not gonna do the the instrumental today. We're just gonna do the this, this one that was on my spirit because we had three songs. We're just gonna do like a, um the one that was I was singing in the bathroom and dancing, um, and I thought it was perfect for Passover to remind just a reminder of Pesach. And so, um, it's a combo, but here it goes. Um, when I see the blood. When I see the blood, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. When I see the blood, when I see the blood, when I see the blood, I will pass, I will pass over you. How great is our Elohim, how great is his name. He is the greatest Elohim, forever the same. He rolled back the waters from the mighty Red Sea, and he said he'll never leave you. Just put your trust in him. You can tell it has a Caribbean beat. How great is our Elohim? How great is his name? He is the greatest Elohim forever. He rolled back the waters from the mighty Red and he said he'll never leave you nor me. Just put your trust in And he said he'll never leave you. Hey, hey, just put your trust in him. Amen, amen, amen. Father God, we thank you for another opportunity, Lord. We thank you all the way for serving. We ask that this goes to the airways, that this helps someone, that builds someone, that it builds marriages so it can get closer, Lord. We ask that there be 44, 55, 66 years if you enable us to, to be with our spouse, Father God. We know the devil, he never comes to now steal or destroy. He's coming to try to kill things, but we rebuke him and we send him back to the pits of hell. We thank you, Lord, for building our marriages. We thank you, our Yahweh, for building our families. We thank you for the love and the peace. We invite you into our home. We invite you into our marriage. We invite you into our minds, Lord. We know we invite you into our hearts. We invite you to our spirit. Lead us and guide us and teach us and lead us and mold us, Lord. We thank you for your, your grace. We thank you for the spirit that rests in the body upon us. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your uh, uh, agape love that you have for us. We thank you for the ram of word that everyone you've used that is opened up about marriages and what's going on in the community. We love you, Lord, and we know you're going to bring us together. We know you're going to bring us up as a nation. We know that this is going to change somebody's life. 
We know that somebody's going to watch this and they're going to decide not to give divorce. We know that somebody's going to watch this and they're going to say, there's, there's a person out there for me that God has chosen for me that I'm going to love and respect her. We know that the women are, are going to open up and be the virtuous women that God ordained us to be and the helpmates that he's designed us to be. We thank you, Lord, for your presence. We thank you. In Yahshua and Yahweh's name, amen. 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 We'll go to part two. We ask that you watch part two. It'll be about our Passover. Shalom. 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 Shalom.